Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak. It's a Monday morning, which means we are jam-packed with new football that we get to talk about. Holy cow, Ben. The weekend that was in the NFL. So much events. happened. E- events, they occurred. Yeah, I was wondering where you, there were many ways in you which you could finish that sentence talking about this weekend in the NFL. I mean, Thursday night football kind of started out, and we touched on this a little bit, but like Raiders beating the Chargers, all right? John Gruden going into the stands, high-fiving all the fans. And then this weekend, we had Matt Stafford sitting out. Bears took the W. Lamar Jackson absolutely goes off. Browns take down the Bills. Falcons take down the Saints. Dude, there was so much more. Where do you where, listen? Where let's do you start. Begin? Let, let, we got to start Falcons Saints because you said on the Thursday podcast, and I reviled you for it. Correct. Um, but you said, uh, you know, oh, the Falcons are due for having that like one game in the show, and it could be against the Saints. And I was like, there's literally no I chance. I told you. Now I think I took yes. the Saints. Did I take the Saints? Where yes, we take- both took the Saints, but yeah. you appropriately hedged the bet, and. I the Falcons were going to get one. Dumbfounded. They're like, the Falcons have this emotional thing about them with Dan Quinn as their head coach. And Dirk Cutter, I think, has that team leading the NFL in passing yards. And so with that being a formula of Quinn leading what is an emotional roster now with their backs against a wall with nothing to lose and the season's basically over. Arthur Blank basically coming to the team and saying this, this Saints game is the barometer game. Like, I'm going to cut the cord if you guys suck. Knowing that they can throw the ball, which is the formula to win in the NFL or to even upset some teams, you knew the Falcons were going to get one. And by the way, Ben, I hate to admit this on the podcast, but um, I'm in a pretty serious survivor pool. You took the Saints, right? And I took the Saints. because. I mean, like, this is the game that you kind of had to take, and the survivor pool is actually over now because everyone else, other than two people, picked the Saints. One person picked the Colts, who lost. Oh, wow, rip. And then the other person picked Green Bay because they hadn't picked Green Bay yet. Uh, So they win. So they won. Good for them. So I got screwed on the Saints game. Yeah, the ending slash events of that game was also a thing. No, we're going to talk about that, but you got to you got to talk about this Falcon Saints game from a little bit from what you saw in this game. Right. Well, firstly, we had Drew Brees attempting forty five passes and averaging six and a half yards. Matt Ryan attempting thirty five passes and averaging five point two yards. Okay, like this was that nobody was throwing the ball. Big noon football. In New yes, Orleans. it was it was a big noon Sunday. Alvin, okay, and he's a little banged up, but Alvin Kamara had four carries. I wish four. I would have known that before I bet my survivor pool on the Saints. Right, from what I understand, like from what they were saying during the game, is they were hypothesizing that, uh, you know, like he was not one hundred percent when he was coming back from injury. Whatever. Okay. Four carries. Now, six catches, because he's obviously a big part of the running game, so you don't want to excise that. But still, passing like in game. a game in big which passing your game. passing offense was mightily struggling, four carries for Kamara makes very little sense to me. Latavius Murray had five, okay? Um, now, so that's one thing. Number two, 
Um, people said, you know, oh, like Marshawn Lattimore went down, and because Lattimore went down, Julio Jones got wide opened out, right? Like it was like, like Julio was unlocked. Mm-hmm. Julio had three for seventy nine, no touchdowns, nine targets. So no, not really. What this was was just the Saints deciding to not be good at football anymore. Just like a complete face plant. They had like 10 penalties for like 130 yards. They couldn't convert a freaking third down. It was just ugly. Yeah. Like, like, like you, Saints put up nine points. Nothing, like nothing Atlanta did on defense where you're like, oh, like pressuring Drew Brees. I mean, like the, the, their front got out of it. Got it. Like, I should say the front got into it in a big way. Mm-hmm. Grady Jarrett, two and a half sacks, five quarterback hits. I think Vic Beasley had like a sack and a half. Wow. Uh, they, yeah. They had a total of six sacks on Drew Brees, which, like, yeah, that's nice. That never uh, happened. That really was never nice. supposed to happen ever. Right. And that's like the big, you know, like that's, that's all right. Now it's a successful Dan Quinn team, right? Like, of course it is because, you know, now you're getting pressure with form, whatever. But it's not like they like, did anything other than what they were doing. They got improved play from the defensive line and the Saints had like no idea what was going on. So I guess like it's, you know, it's a bit of a, a, a wake up game for the Saints who might have been like sleeping through it a little bit. And I get that. Um, but this was just, it was more weird than anything else. Like at no point was I like, Aha, Atlanta has wrested control of the game. I was just like, all right, and like the Saints are going to get back in this. Saints are going to get back in this. Okay, eventually the Saints are going to get back in this. Oh, Atlanta won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just weird. Yeah. No, I, yeah. so I, I said when we were talking about it last week when we were going through the games, I thought that this was a serious trap game. But I thought because it was in New Orleans... That was going to be enough. Like, I thought that when I watched Atlanta go up early on the scoreboard, they stayed up even in the second quarter, second half, early second half. I was like, okay, but this is where the home field advantage Saints just snap their fingers, wake up, and go, wait a second. Right. We're at home. We're the Saints. We're going to win. And it never happened. It just never happened. Right. When, yeah, when, the, when they went half at like 13 six, you were like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, it's New Orleans gonna, probably you know, got it. You know. And like thirteen nine the end of the third, you're like, all right, like this is just gonna be a Drew Brees drive at the end of the fourth, and they're gonna yeah. get out of this ugly, and it's gonna be fine. Scored no points in the fourth quarter, just like bad offense, making mistakes, and again, and like Brees. I mean, uh, we don't want to talk about this. We've been avoiding talking about this, and that's fine. But Brees's arm is just not what it was. Like he's clearly just does not have the the arm strength that he was once playing with, which blows because it's Drew Brees, and you want him to be good. Um, but this is he's 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 a he's a diminished player um, physically, and that's sad. The player who is not diminishing fig, phys, physically, there you go. Guess it's a rough one on this Monday. Lamar Jackson and what he was able to do against the Cincinnati Bengals: fifteen for seventeen passing, two hundred and twenty-three yards, three touchdowns, a rating of one fifty-eight point three, which I'm pretty sure is perfect. Is it not? Yes. It's a he has the two highest QB ratings. ratings. Yeah, he has the two highest QB ratings of this year at like 99.7 against these Bengals and then like 99.4 against the Dolphins. Which like you can say oh, playing the Dolphins, playing the, the, the Bengals. Yeah, other teams have played the other quarterbacks played those teams. They haven't had passer ratings right. 99.7. Right. He also led the team in rushing yards on just seven attempts and had a rushing touchdown there. Ben, this game was absolutely incredible from Lamar. And this it, it, it continues the trend of what this season is. 
And it's so fun to watch a team truly get behind Lamar Jackson the way that the Ravens did this offseason. Um, you know, as I was researching an MVP piece that I was doing for TDN last week, I was looking up the mindset and some reading some articles from over the summer and over the offseason of what the Ravens were doing. And they, and they literally said, Greg Roman was like, we went to ground zero. We took our entire playbook, threw it out, looked at the players we had, the skill right. we had mainly at the quarterback position, and said, how do we build absolutely everything around that? They didn't keep anything from the old guard or how they used to do things. They went completely around Lamar Jackson. And you know what? One of the best, most electrifying, talented players in college football history is succeeding at the next level playing the same game because a team went all in on what he could do. And I think that that's special. Right. So I really enjoyed watching the highlights of this game. And I feel like, right, and, and even watching this game, like, it's, it's firstly, every single snap Lamar takes, I feel different than any other snap than any other player takes in the entire league. Period. It is, he is by a vast distance the most fun player to watch currently in the nfl and like you say that and if you're an nfl fan cool whatever like maybe you're an afc north team and you don't like that or maybe you just don't really care whatever to be honest like for me from a perspective of like working in the industry it can be it's it's, it's harder to just have fun watching the nfl at times it's harder because like i'm constantly like, kind of like from a work perspective right it kind of like you know it Lamar brings me back to like watching football when I was like 13, right? When I was just like, right, when I knew what the ago. game was and I knew what was cool and I played Madden and rushing quarterbacks were awesome and Vic had just re-signed with the Eagles. Like Lamar is, I just, I, I'm so excited when he takes a snap. I'm just mm -hmm. like, yes. And every play, it's, ah, and then the, the, the breaks Nick Vigil's face off and spins between three Bengals defenders. It's, and I just, it's so it's, much fun. It's so good right. for the game. But going back to the analysis point, which is important. You have to, like, like, it's very important to ask the question, okay, Lamar's had two of the best passer ratings, passer ratings of the season. Well, even those of us who really loved him, I had Lamar's like a top 10 player. Even those of us who really loved him, he's a great runner and the passer is good and he's an effective passer, he's an NFL passer, but obviously he's not like, you know, uh, uh, Josh Rosen or Baker Mayfield or Sam Donald or whatever. So what, like, why, why does he have such good passer ratings and it goes back to the point that you said which is when you build the offense around the guy mm -hmm. what we forget is that a quarterback's ability to run drastically makes his passing offense easier and nfl teams love to make passing offenses easier when it's scheme and they love to make passing offenses easier when it's sometimes motion. sometimes i'm and not so convinced that they love to make it easier because i feel like some coaches make it difficult right. for themselves but go off but it's like it's like when when sean McVay makes a passing offense really easy sean McVay's passing offense system is easy he's in the quarterback's head yeah he's doing 15 seconds before right yeah and he's doing like, rpos you know, with a guy like jared goff because he knows it'll help Right, so like we love like developments and like getting skill position players to make pat like make our offense more dynamic, make it simpler, make it more effective and, and and easy to execute. And when a quarterback has a skill like running that does that very same thing, 
a lot of teams are averse to it for whatever reason. But the fact that Baltimore wasn't means it's about as easy to throw the ball in Baltimore as it is in any other team in the league. And the reason for that is Lamar's ungodly athleticism. And if you can't draw the line from point A to point B, you're going to continue to be behind the curve in terms of player evaluation yep. and in terms of team building. So Go off. he's he's an absolute delight. You know who else is an absolute delight? Who? Even in a loss. Mm-hmm. Kyler's playing good ball. Oh, Kyler yeah, no, Murray's Kyler was awesome. So good that's, ball. that's obviously the game that I watched the most because I was at Ray J watching the Bucks face against Ray Cardinals. J, first name basis. Sorry, Raymond James Stadium, which the locals called Ray J. Bucks ended up winning this game 30-27, to but they should have won this game, right? And I thought the called the Bucks did what they were supposed to do. I also think the Cardinals did what they were supposed to do. They right, took some chances. It was a good game. It was a close game. They 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 the uh, uh, box of the ball last or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's Kyler. They, they got the last bounce. Kyler delivered some dimes, man. I mean, this kid's so good. He hit Christian Kirk when he was running by oh, Ryan that ball, Smith. that nine ball. Yeah, baby, Brother. That's one hell of a throw. That's the stuff where. You watch how good Kyler can be outside of structure. You look at him outside of the pocket. You watch the 32-yard run that he had when his back was against the end zone when the Bucks had a great punt within the 10-yard line, right? That's the stuff that you go, okay, this is the weapon that we drafted so he can be that X factor with his legs to give us some help. And then you watch him hit passes like he did today or on against the Buccaneers. And then you realize, okay, that's what made him the total package that made that number one overall selection worth it. This kid's got an arm. He's got touch. Then that's the big... Kyler, throughout this whole thing, knowing he was a baseball player, knowing that he's played dual sports his entire life, and yet watching him succeed the way that he does inside and outside of structure, especially what he was doing at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley, that stuff is so natural to him. And natural it's, all three syllables it's one of those ball is hiked i'm looking at the defender here's my one read okay this guy's open instead balls out it's a perfect dime 45 50 yards down the field just not many quarterbacks can do that man i know we're in the nfl but not even starting nfl quarterbacks can have that natural poise and touch and accuracy that kyler murray does so it was it was fantastic to watch him. I'm glad that you brought that up, albeit in a loss. Cardinals are now three six and one, but they wa- Cardinals want to be bad this year. They want to be bad in the record, but they don't want to obviously look terrible on the field. And I think that they're really hitting that perfect spot too, especially with Kyler. You're watching right. him mature throughout the year. You have confidence that this is the guy. They're not winning too many football games, but again, this is not their window to win. They just want Kyler to get better, and I really think that he is. Right, and, and and I think you bring up a good point in terms of like, listen, bad records, bad record. You're playing in a really good division. You know, it, it's it's okay to be drafting early. This is a multi-year endeavor, and we all knew that. That being said, you know, okay, so they open up the year with the tie against the Lions, which was a game where like at first it was so rocky, and then there were signs of life, and that kind of got the the steam picked up, and then one possession game to the Ravens, which we did not understand what that was at the time, uh, a loss to the Panthers lost to the Seahawks, two teams that are not, that are plus 500 teams, that are NFC playoff racers. Obviously, Panthers had a couple loss here, but the Panthers, Panthers you know, were a one-loss team for a long time. Beat the Bengals, beat the Falcons, beat the Giants, who so go ahead and beat the bad teams that you get. Um, like, that's good. That's, that's morale boosting. That's offense getting better. That's clear improvement. 
They got lambasted by the Saints in Drew Brees' return, but then it's a one-possession game against the Niners, one-possession game against the Bucs. I mean, they've only really gotten blown out by the Panthers, the Seahawks, and the Saints. There's a lot of teams in the league that if they played the Panthers, the Seahawks, and the Saints would lose all three of those games big. Sure, yeah. You know? And yeah. We, and we, we thought Arizona was going to be, like, you know, a, a, a Petri dish, and we're finding out that they're pretty nicely developing on, on – on, on a pace you'd expect of a rookie quarterback and, and a, a new head coach, even if that rookie quarterback is going to be a baseball player and that new head coach lost his job at Texas Tech. You know, like, without that context, this is about what you expect for a uh, first-year team, and things have been, you know, kind of comfortably on schedule. They get the Niners again. They've got yeah. the Rams twice, Seahawks again. Like, it's not an easy slate, but I think they're going to continue to play uh, tough, tight games. I brought up the fact that they tied with Detroit. I want to talk about Detroit. Because on this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, in the preseason, I was heavily critical of Detroit. And then after Detroit started the season uh, 2-1-1, and including a very close loss to the Chiefs, I issued an apology to Detroit um, because it seemed like they were good. They have now lost four of their last five, and I'm here to say, I told you! <laughs> okay, I get it. I get it. I, okay, Jeff Driscoll, I'm not, I get it. Mitchell Trubisky threw three touchdown passes on y'all, brother. Yeah, that Mitchell Trubisky ain't thrown three touchdown passes all year. You, this 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 team is it, it it's came out of the gate strong, and then now it's dealing with injury on offense, and it's kind of showing how thin they are. You know what I mean? How like uh, obviously like Stafford's been putting together some heroic performances, and we get that they've lost to some good teams: the Packers, the Raiders, the Vikings. I get that, um, but Lions all of a sudden now picking eleventh. And the new draft order. So Detroit fans who were thrilled with your two zero and one start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I Maturity. mean, yeah, I, I was kind of with you. I probably wasn't as harsh on what the Lions might be, just because I had faith that Matt Stafford was going to be able to win them a couple of games. Almost kind of the same train of thought with the Falcons. Eventually, is when you have a talented quarterback. I think when you have a guy who can, who's not afraid to, afraid to push the ball down the field you give yourself a chance week in and week out. And so I thought that the Lions certainly had holes in their roster, but I wasn't as, I don't, I guess, gloom and doom as you thought the Lions would be, although I didn't have a ton of faith in Patricia. So I guess I was in that same boat with you. But, you know, it's Stafford being out, which I think Stafford being out broke one of the longest streaks in the NFL of, like, starts in a row. Which big is, sad. Which is, yeah, big sad. I hate when any of those longstanding stats stop. You know, it sucks. But, well, it's actually really funny. So Bryce Rossler of Sports Info Solutions, who's big a shout Detroit out, Bryce. fan. Yeah, he's a good guy. He very uh, funnily tweeted out, um, you know, Matt Stafford, injury-prone truthers waking up. You know, they're like, grabbing their <laughs> takes from 10 years ago, right? When Stafford was declared out with obviously this back injury that nobody really right. saw coming. Yeah. Or, you know, like it, it, it was, you know, clear that, that – uh, you know, like kind of this developed during practice and the information was kind of withheld and then all of a sudden he's out. Stafford obviously missing games his first two seasons after having injury at Georgia. Mm-hmm. You were like, oh, he's never going to be healthy. And then from 2011 to 2018, he started and played 16 games in every single season. You know, we, of all the things that we think we can predict that we can't predict, injury is our greatest sin. There's no way to predict yeah. injury. Right. Can't do it. Right. Game is too violent. It's too random too much yeah i think re you know i guess when there are signs of like a guy re-injures the same thing over and over again it doesn't help but rehab is also 
advanced so far, I think, with a lot of these guys that... Sure, we got people coming back from ACL tears in seven months. You brother. know what I'm I mean, saying? It's, like, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. So unless it is almost a reoccurring, debilitating, or, like, chronic kind of injury, you know, this, is, this is a hot-button topic for us doing scouting. You know, like, we, we'll watch these guys in college. Let's take Terrell Lewis, for example, right? This mm-hmm. guy who passed rusher for Alabama, he's missed two years now because of two major injuries. One of them was a dislocated elbow, and the other one was an ACL. So for a lot of people, they might kind of skim over Terrell Lewis's bio or his stats in college, and they might go, oh, this guy missed you know two whole years because of two One-year injuries. One-year starter, right? You know, so you go, okay, wow, this guy might be injury prone. Those injuries had nothing to do with each other, right? And I mean, like, now he's back on the field and Terrell Lewis looks like a monster, right? I mean, he's an awesome pass rusher that we're getting to watch week in and week out. And so as I'm going through, yes, I have to note the injuries that he had at Alabama, but I'm not really sitting here thinking, I, I have a hard time saying that this guy's injury prone because I, I just don't agree with it. You know, like you, you, t- you got a little bit of bad luck playing a really physical and violent game. That's what I think it boils down to. And I think that that's the case with a lot of these other guys. So inju- not all injuries are created equal, I think is, is the thing to take away from right. this and like the Stafford thing and the Terrell Lewis thing and anything with scouting is if it's a chronic thing, if it's a reoccurring thing, a debilitating thing, that might be it. Like if a guy's got consistent high ankle sprains or ankle problems where he just can't get his ankle healthy. That's something that you know. That's when you can start using the word prone. Hey, he's susceptible to this. But even major injuries, you know, things that happen totally different parts of the body or random or whatever, you just got to be you got to be hesitant on that kind of stuff because rehab and guys can come back from a lot of stuff nowadays. So, just wanted to say right. that as well. Um Let's move hey, on. Yes. Real quick on Buffalo, Chicago. Buffalo, Chicago? Buffalo, or Buffalo, Cleveland, excuse me. Oh, well, I was going to, I was about to go right to Buffalo, Cleveland. Right. So, yes. Well, I mean, yeah, big Freudian slip on calling Cleveland, Chicago there. I didn't mean to make the Mitchell Trubisky, Baker Mayfield comparison. Yeah, but, but enough about Daisy. Baker Trubisky. Firstly, Kareem Hunt first came back, nine targets, four carries. Uh, they're trying to make him a big part of the passing game. They did two back stuff with Chubb and Kareem, and that I thought was P nifty. Uh, and so I, I think that's something that that P nifty, yeah, P nifty. Uh, it could open things up nicely for this team. But man, Cleveland did pretty much everything they could to lose this game, and mm-hmm. still were unable to pull it off, which is impressive. You mean the loss? Um, they were even able unable to pull off the loss. Pull out. No, I said Cleveland tried to do everything they could to lose this game and still ended up winning. Oh, okay. I yeah. felt like you said that wrong, but go on. I probably did. It's fine. Um, the There was a moment, I don't know if you saw this, but with, uh, like, with a game-winning drive on the line, Cleveland tried to execute like one of those like little like touch pass, you know, like jet sweep things. Yeah, like right? you take the hike and you just kind of like throw it right. in the air. And right they completely missed. Mm. And Jerry Hughes picked it up and ran it back for a touchdown. And on review, it's like, oh, it's actually a forward pass, which is why you do it that like that, right? That is such bullshit. But it was like, I'll put it to you this way. It was the most Cleveland thing I've ever seen. And it should have, like, it, it, the fact that it got overturned is correct. But if it, if, it had actually been a fumble. It would have been God's eyes. It's not correct. Completely, exactly. But uh, amazing. Either way, 
Uh, the the story of this game for me is is not only is, is, is Josh Allen just remain a liability for his team, and we just have to be willing yeah. to acknowledge that. Mm. Nicholas Chubb, 20 carries, 116 yards. Kid's an absolute animal. Yeah. I mean, no, like... Yeah. like it, the, the 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 term workhorse inevitably comes to mind because not only does he so consistently gain positive yardage behind an offensive line that's got some gaps on it, but like that's mighty kind of you. There's a few backs left in the league that are like still volume backs where like they tackle their opponent. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they're gonna go <laughs> sure. down, but like <laughs> you're gonna to be it. the one Very receiving. Good and just you can tell like this dude gets into the secondary, Derek Henry. Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb, and safeties are just like, oh, kill me now. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, not, this is not worth it. <laughs> right? He's a punishing rusher, but then he's got that that so that great explosiveness, that surprising long speed. The Sonny Michelle, Nick Chubb conversation was always interesting when they were both at Georgia and they both came out. I fell on the Nick Chubb side of things. I really enjoyed watching him play. Obviously, Sonny's dealt with injury there in New England. Um, but Chubb is everything uh the the, the Browns asked for in a can of beans. I mean, he's 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 awesome to watch. No, Nick Chubb is fantastic. I think it, you know, Nick Chubb was another guy who had who had the mm-hmm. injury, but I mean, if you didn't think that Nick Chubb wasn't going to be a good NFL running back, I mean, Lord help you. The kid was just built in a lab. All right, he was meant to play running back in this league. So yeah, it's an interesting one. Browns now three and six. Bills th- six and three. You know, Bills not looking as confident as they were before. Probably should have come away with this one, but. Eh. There are games like this that happen all the time. It was a wacky Sunday, so I'm not going to go too in on the it Bills was. on this one. You know, we'll see how it is in the next couple of weeks. Jets Giants. I wanted to touch on this one a little bit. How much of this game did you see, Ben? Any? Not too much, but Darius freaking Slayton, dude, my man. This is your cat. I mean, correct. Should have known. This shouldn't have been as hard as we made it out to be. But 14 targets, 10 receptions, 121 yards, two touchdowns. Darius Slayton. Dude is separating yes. on, on, on breaking routes, yes. too. Like, this ain't, he ain't running Auburn routes out here. He's being a full, real football player. And he was even good on the Auburn routes. The thing about Slayton is just, yeah, a little bit of a limited route tree, and he sometimes dropped the ball. But, like, the talent for what the kid do could do, I love the baseline for, for what it. what the kid do. What he do. Uh, I, just, I just love what I'm seeing from Slayton. The, the, the growth in him has been fantastic to watch. Daniel Jones, you know, people don't realize this, but Daniel Jones threw for 300 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions, and lost. Yeah, well, that's what's going to happen when you fumble the ball three times. Saquon Barkley in this one, one. But still. Saquon Barkley on this one. 13 Thir- carries. 13 carries. How many yards, Trevor? Well, it's not yards plural, Ben. It's How many yard duh one. <laughs> he had thirteen carries for one yard. It's less than great. I mean, no doubt about that. Sam Darnold gets the win through for two thirty and a touchdown. That's so funny. Yeah. Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. <laughs> the issue is Daniel Jones just continues to be tapioca pudding in the pocket, right? Like it's just good. He comp. took six good comp. He took six sacks. He put the ball on the ground. For- three times it's just he's doing his best like as a passer he and Shermer are a great marriage he's they've they've found something with their weapons golden tate two touchdowns obviously i said darius slain had a great game mm-hmm. system works on uh, the skill positions obviously you know barkley had a bad game but the, the passing attack is what you'd hope to create around a player like jones but 
if you throw a grain of sand into the cogs of the wheel, he cannot deal with pressure. Can't do it. And this is really like, oh, passer rating under pressure. Yeah, I mean, like when he gets the ball out, okay, but it's the sacks and it's the fumbles. It's the pocket presence. It's the management of pressure to extend plays. He doesn't have it. And that is not something we typically see show up. Like, you know, there are things we see improve at the NFL level. Pocket presence, that just vestibular sense of where you are and what's going on around you. It's rare. Rare to see that blossom. It's fun. It's fun stuff. We got a couple more games we got to touch on. How much of Chiefs-Titans did you watch? Because I watched none of this game. And the Chiefs, I don't know if you know this, Ben, lost to the Titans. 32 to 35. What in the world? Pat Mahomes threw for 403 touchdowns, no picks. Trevor, once I knew Mahomes was starting, I took Kansas City minus six and made the largest NFL bet I've made this year. Which I had just lost the largest NFL bet I made on on the Patriots covering against Baltimore on Monday night. So one could say I was, I believe the technical term is tilting my head off. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, not I've healthy. There. I've been there. I've been there. Not it's, healthy. It's like when you're, it's like when you're playing roulette, you spin mm-hmm. it, you put fifty dollars on black, it's red. Okay. Then what you're what are you gonna do? You're gonna put a hundred dollars on black, you're gonna spin it, you're gonna hope you hit it, so then you double it up and you're right back where you wanted to be. Yes. But right. instead so I was tilting a little it bit. It was red again for you. Mm-hmm. So it's so firstly, Kansas City, you know, like like Patrick Mahomes, they have like the Tennessee has a fumble return for the touchdown. They were in charge of this game to give Tennessee, who was playing at home, a little bit of like momentum with the fumble and whatever, and then they go into half 13-13, and it's like, hey, listen. Firstly, let's start scoring some touchdowns, start finishing some drives. This is silly Bo Billy, and let's not put the ball on the ground. Okay, so they, they walk down the field, easy drive, score a touchdown, sick. Miss the extra point. I have a minus six, and it's now a six-point lead. And I go, okay, if that comes back to bite me, I'm going to be, I believe the technical term is an unhappy camper. Okay. <laughs> Eventually, and, you know, they get to a nine-point game, two-point game, nine-point game, two-point game, whatever. Get it to a five-point lead. Five-point lead for Kansas City. Again, I have the minus six. Tennessee needs to drive down the field and score in order to to get back in this game. And so with a fourth down deep in their own territory, they end up going for it. They have enough timeouts to stop the Chiefs on a drive, but they decide to go for it. we got to be aggressive here. Makes sense. They go for it. They do not get it, which means now the Chiefs get the ball, leading by five, at the Tennessee 32. Tennessee has all three timeouts. This is the best thing that could have happened to me. They're going to run the ball three times. Tennessee's going to call three timeouts. They're going to kick a field goal and go up eight. And I'm going to win this. I love the setting that you're setting. This up. is the like, this, like, like they're like at, at, at the five point margin. There were not many eventualities that could have gotten me to covering a six point spread. But there was, we hit the one. And I was thrilled. So third and two, Patrick Mahomes runs around a little bit, gets tackled. Third timeout. They go to kick the field goal. <laughs> Trevor. They go to kick the field goal. And for whatever godforsaken reason, mm-hmm. punter Dustin Colquitt, who is the holder for the field goal, just doesn't know the ball's coming. I, I, I do not know if you saw this. He I like didn't. has his hands out I didn't see to receive the snap. And then he like looks back to the kicker and like puts his hands down. And the ball comes and hits him square in the chest. So, you know, it's a fumble. He tries to pick it up and he tries to throw it. It's intentional grounding. No field goal. Chiefs are up by five. I 
and without words. How is the name for me the last time you saw the holder just forget the ball was coming? Not even like mishandle it. Just forget that a snap was going to happen. Was it the Cleveland game? What was the game I where the guy just like fires off the guy's face mask? I literally could not tell you another time this has happened. I would puke in my mouth. Tennessee drives all the way down the field, scores, gets the two-point conversion. Now it's a three-point game. A sliver of hope reopens for Ben. If Tennessee can tie this with a field goal, Third person go to now. overtime, I get a six-point win. I at least get my money back. Kansas City, first play, Patrick Mahomes, absolute bomb. Firstly, Miko Hardman, big return. Then absolute bomb, 25 yards. They're already in field goal range. They push it to the 34. They line up for a field goal. I'm getting a cold sweats because the last time this happened, my <laughs> life ended. And guess what, Trevor? Guess what, Trevor? It's blocked. What did I do <laughs> to whom? Firstly, to deserve, like, I had no hope, and then I had great hope, and then I had no hope, and then I had tiny hope, and then I had no hope. <laughs> I was very upset <laughs> on the phone with my mother, who was trying to tell me about the trip that she took with my dad this weekend for the 100th anniversary of one trip that my father's grandfather was oh at. Oh, my God. And I'm just sitting there like, uh-huh, mom, uh-huh, mom, <laughs> tilting my mind off. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting chest pains just talking about it. Okay. <sighs> Man, it was a really upsetting I'm experience. I'm so glad I didn't watch this game and instead relived it for the first time. Through your absolute betting I, torment. I, this was a, a bad beat that I can't even like describe. Oh my goodness. I was eviscerated. But anyway, uh with Ryan Tannehill, the Tennessee Titans continue to be an an, an effective yeah, how about offense. That? How about that? Uh, yeah. I won't call them exciting. Um, but the big thing here no, with, of course. with Kansas City. No. no. Right. The big thing here with Kansas City is this. 23 carries for Derrick Henry, 188 yards. He averaged King. for eight yards a carry. King. Kansas City's defense showed some life over the past few weeks, and now it is big dead again. And you can't, like, they're six and four. They're only one game ahead of Oakland in the AFC West. So, firstly, let's, like, stop pretending like that's locked in. But secondly, for a team that absolutely 100% unequivocally has the offense to compete for the AFC Championship and for a Super Bowl, we got to get this defense right, brother. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, Chiefs got some holes. They're going to make it. They have the offense to make it. There's just not going to be enough teams to Chiefs stop. Oakland, this because I believe the Chiefs have Oakland coming up fairly soon. Yes, they do, in two weeks, mm-hmm. um, which I believe they have a bye uh, between now and then. Um, but, but they have the Chargers and then the Raiders. This upcoming game against the Raiders now is a big deal. They won the first one. Uh, that was where they had the 28-point second quarter, and then that was it. Right. Um, they got to be able to to secure the second one to make sure they keep the division locked up. And then, you know, AFC is not overwhelming, but you know, this is, we're, we're far from the gimme of a first round buy here, Baltimore right. and, and new England. Well, two, one lost teams. Kansas City's going to have to play in the wild card round. Andy Reid has historically been, uh, less than great in the wild card round. Dolphins end up winning against the Colts. Colts basically had like their third stringers in because of so many injuries. But thankfully for the Dolphins, the Falcons won. I mean, the Jets won. Like, it didn't hurt them. It, like, didn't hurt them at all in the draft order. So, you know, the tank is on. Dolphins still 2-7. and seven. They got a chance at this thing. Now they're probably not going to catch the Bengals anymore. 
Bengals are probably going to end up having that number one overall pick because there's a chance the Dolphins even win another game after this, and that would be three games on the Bengals. I just don't see that happening. So they're probably not going to catch the Bengals. You know, that Week 16 matchup between Miami and Cincinnati, not really the battle for the number one overall pick anymore, but good for you, Dolphins. They've had a rough year. Them getting a couple wins. Back to back. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Couldn't be me doubting him. Panthers-Packers. This was eventful. This was a fun game to watch just because it was a snow game, a night game in Lambeau. Well, not a full night game, but, you know, because of daylight savings. What was cool was, like, like, I was worried when I was first watching it that it was going to be, like, a sleet game. And I was like, that's not exciting for the first, like, bad cold weather game of the year. Full snow. Right, and then, yeah, by the end, it was, like, full thing. Kyle Allen almost did it there at the end, man. He almost I, I, did it. I have finally decided that I have synthesized my 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 official take on. Okay, what is it? No, he's not good. Okay, great. Thank you for that. But, really appreciate it. But the young man has moxie. Okay, yeah, that's all we care about. That's all we care about. Right. And that's supposed a, to be good. And as a all right, and as a neutral rooter, right? Like rooter? I don't care who wins. Neutral Rooter as a new root. Rooter McGruder. Boy, he is Rooten. fun to watch because it is an new event Rooten. every time that man takes a snap. Cam Rooten. No, oh, yeah. I just got there. Now it's like four at a time. Oh, okay. Cam, all right, whatever. Whatever, brother. Dude, the Panthers were playing in this game. How do you not give it to me? It was topical. I just, like, I, I don't really, like, what, whatever. Like Cam is the only thing that I want to talk about from this game was when Carolina scored their final touchdown to get the game to within eight points. Right, yeah. Ron Rivera decided to go for it, which is an analytics thing. Here, can I put it in a framework for you? Sure, yeah. By going for two, you're giving yourself a reality in which kicking an extra point, which is a very high percentage thing, can win the game for you if you get the two-point conversion then on the ensuing touchdown when you kick right. the extra point you win right. right if you elect to take the extra point then the reality in which you win in regulation involves going for two which is a far less high percentage endeavor and then in the event that you go for two and you don't get it you have not precluded yourself from reaching overtime Right. Which likely would have been your pursuit if you had just kicked the extra point anyway. You would have gone down the field again, scored again, and then kicked the extra point and gone back to overtime. So you don't remove the possibility for overtime. You have to go get another two-point conversion. Right. But you introduce the possibility of winning with a touchdown and an extra point. And this is why it increases your win probability yeah. to try to score 15 by going for two and then you know subsequently uh, having it a six-point deficit. They don't get it. It's an eight-point game. But as we all saw watching the game, they had an opportunity to tie and send it to overtime. Yeah. Which, if we had been watching a seven-point game, we would have said they have an opportunity to tie and go for overtime. So, really, how much changed, right? So, yeah, I, I um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the the, the analytic, uh, the I should say the, the numerical model behind it. Now, obviously, uh, and, and what what means the most to this is that you have average numbers of what it is to convert two-point conversions as opposed to what it is to convert an extra point, and then you know possibly and of going to overtime, which right. has its own odds there of winning in overtime. The key here is, though, 
you have to be good at scoring extra points. Like, you have to give yourself at least that average number, if not better, to make it worth it to go for it. And what we saw from the Panthers down the stretch on that final goal line stand, I mean, they couldn't get the ball over the line. They, they had that ball so close to the, I think they had it right outside the 10, and then they had it right by the goal line a couple of times. And, like, Carolina just could not get it in. And that's basically what it boils down to with even, like, getting a two-point conversion. You have to be good at that to make the numbers make sense for you. And Carolina right. just clearly wasn't—it just was not their day to be good at it. So, where mm-hmm. I'm, I'm cool with the thought process. I'm even cool with—you know, it, it's very contrast against normal thought to playing it safe and always kicking the extra point, giving yourself a chance to kick the extra point if you just get the touchdown. It increases your win probability— but it only does so if you are at the average conversion percentage or above it with converting on two-point conversions. Like, you, you, you've, you've got to be good at it. You've got to be able to do it. And Carolina clearly couldn't do it, so it just it didn't turn out great for them. So the numbers didn't, they weren't in their favor. Right. And uh, my, my big question right now with the Packers, who are now, what, a two-loss team and yeah, one of the best two. teams in the NFC? Eight into, two. right. I have yet to see, like, everybody's running the ball effectively on this defense. And I get that that's the logic behind the defense, right? It's keep a light box, invite the run, be sure you're protected against the pass, and that's cool. But also, you're going to go up against teams in the NFC playoffs that are going to be able to win with ball control. They're going to be able to win with a ground and pound mm-hmm. attack. They're going to have a stout defense that's going to be able to take things away from Amari or take things away from Aaron, excuse me. I'm thinking of Amari because, like, I think right now if the Packers met the Cowboys, who obviously the the the, the Cowboys and, and Prescott's throwing out of his mind and the receiving core is great, but that's a team that's committed to the run on early downs, and they're going to continue to put themselves in second and manageable situations. I think it's going to be hard to get off the field. So the Packers' defense right now, to me, is still – like this was a better game than they played in recent weeks, but I still have multiple questions about this team making a playoff run. And then as we've seen now for multiple seasons, though with a different head coach, Rogers heroicism can buy you a game, maybe two, but they have to really, they'd have to really catch fire in the postseason. Right. Rogers would really have to catch fire for this team to go the distance. I'm with you. I think I'm with you. All right. That's all we got. It's all the time for this podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you didn't, tune in tomorrow. You're fired. Maybe we'll make it up. Oh, tomorrow. by the way, we knew the Steelers were going to beat the Rams. Listen to the podcast. <laughs> this is why you listen to the pod. So you have a heads up on this stuff. You can sound smart to your friends as you go into the weekend talking about football. We knew it was going to happen. Ben knew it was going to happen probably six months ago. Oh my gosh. The Dallas Cowboys just walked the ball all the way down the field, throwing it. And then on second and two inside the 15, ran it. And then on third and two inside the 15, ran it again. And now it's fourth and four. You're idiots. You have like the third best quarterback in the game right now. What is happening? Fourth and five, 46 seconds running clock. All right. They need this down by four. Okay, timeout. Never mind. We don't have to do it live. But come on. It's Dak. What are you doing? Okay, I'm fine. Well, now everybody knows that we're recording the podcast on Sunday night, which is not the worst thing in the world, because you could tune in tomorrow and see Ben's reaction on how the game ended. Sound good? Yeah. Until then, you keep it locked right here on Lockdown NFL Draft.